briefly the Titans. Tannehill on time. Catch and run. A.J. Brown is a blur. Touchdown, Titans. Welcome, everybody. This is the Transatlantic Titans podcast. I am Adam. I have Mars and Greg with me. So, hello, gents. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. You know, it's it's the first one we've done for a while after a Titans loss. So, as we stand, it's the Tennessee Titans are five and one. Um, yeah, the Pit- the Pittsburgh game was was always going to be tough. We're going to get into that. Um, obviously, the week ahead, we're into week eight already of the the season, which I can't quite believe. Uh, we've got a trip to Ohio to face the Cincinnati Bengals. We're going to speak to Paul from the Cincinnati podcast. Um, or who day underscore UK. Um, yeah, they're better at names and stuff than we were. We just called ourselves after the Twitter account. Um, but yeah, he's going to join us to look ahead from a Bengals point of view. But yeah, to start with um, an absolute shellacking in the first half against the Steelers. Um, but yeah, the Titans bounced back. Well, it was really encouraging in the second half. Um, but I guess we should probably start at the beginning and a quite horrible, horrible game on, or horrible half anyway, on defense. Um, Greg, if we're going to start on a downer, it only makes sense to to go to you first. Yeah, first half was the worst I've seen us play in, I'm not sure how long, to be honest, probably since prior to Tannehill coming in. Um, Yeah, it wasn't great. I think defensively, we got beaten on third downs. Defensively, pretty much, I think it was pretty. It felt like every single play, to be honest. I'm not sure what the actual first half statistics were, but I know the game. I think they were 13 out of 18 on third down, which is just nowhere near, uh, nowhere near acceptable, really. Um, like but all, look, all, if not all, all five of those, or maybe four of them, were probably in the second half, the way we had yeah, to stop. Yeah, I think it was. I think we might have stopped them maybe once in the first half. Um, I might have just made that up, but I think that's that's kind of how it felt. But it just felt like they they kind of. Um, they smacked us in the mouth and we're usually the team doing the smacking in the mouth. We're usually hitting other teams where it hurts and, um, and making them, making them feel, feel bad. And, and, and they kind of came in to Nashville and, and did exactly that. Um, bar one drive, it was pretty much a disaster. I think that one, the one sustained drive that we did score the score, the touchdown. Um, it was, it was a pretty poor first half, but they didn't, they they were what seventeen points ahead I think at halftime maybe more was it twenty four seven I think at halftime well the 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 end of the half was just horrible to watch because there was an opportunity yeah you know, so sometimes you get a sense of where the clock is and where the possessions are and there was an opportunity for Tennessee to go down the field and score and it would have left it for seventeen uh, fourteen at halftime Tennessee was yeah. going to get the ball. The second half, I remember a conversation about this. Okay, if we can keep it, somehow keep it to three points when we've been totally out, outplayed. The time of possession was oh, ridiculous. Yeah. We would have um, been ecstatic, absolutely ecstatic. But it was just, it just didn't work out for us. I think I would have that, that yeah, thrown, thrown the towel in at halftime, to be honest. There was a huge pump return. Then there was the the low snap from Bo Brinkley, which yeah. I, can't, I can't recall what, another one of those in 10 or 11 years. Um, Brett Kern running around trying to decide what to do with it, and that that yeah. just meant that the Steelers suddenly had, you know, s- stole another score. 
So yeah, instead of a possible 17-14, which is probably an optimistic 17-14, it was 24-7 at, at half time. Um, Miles, where do you? I mean, it's I can't. I find it hard to blame the offense for that first half performance because we hardly had the ball. It felt like. Um, but where where are you pointing the finger on defense? Where am I pointing the finger? I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm no NFL scout, but I think a lot of people knew that. Big Ben this year has been getting the ball out really quickly to avoid any pressure in his face. And I think the the map showing where all his passes went to pretty much proved that right, where you knew it was going to be a lot of quick balls to the sideline. And I felt like the cornerbacks could have got a lot more pressure on the receivers. Um, I mean, some people were like, oh, well, Claypool was quiet. And they said, that's all well and good. But Deontay Johnson had like a, an incredible stat line. And that's fully what I expected from the game. It's you know, but Big Ben's not throwing the ball deep that often, very much more in night. Clowney, the front line, I mean, Simmons again looked good and he was breaking through, but when they're getting the ball out so quickly, it's not actually down to the line, really, in my, in my opinion. It's more than down to the cornerbacks to be tight on the receivers. If you're stealing seven yards every time it's a first down and they know they need to get uh, three yards from the next two downs, it's a very easy way to play the game. And that's exactly what they've done. And James Connor had an all right game, but he would looked a lot better because he was running on second down only needing three yards and he'd turn it into 15 yards. It felt like it just felt like the defense was at a disadvantage every single time it came to a second down because we were given so much away just on a first down. But I mean, the sucker punches were every single time it was a third down. We never looked like we were getting near the ball. Yeah. Even third and long on the, the occasions that, you know, we, we dip in them or did restrict them on first and second down. They were converting, you know, third and 11, yeah. third and 14 downs like that. Um, Greg, I mean, I, I don't know. This is, we'd noticed this already on third down. I mean, by far the worst team in the NFL at, at third down conversion or preventing third down conversions. Um, how, how does this get addressed? For me, it's, it's I think the secondary is where the issues, I think, you hit the nail on the head with regards to the, the kind of third and longs. And I think there was, I don't think necessarily this game, but previous games where we'd be taking third and three over a third and 13, because you kind of felt like we would have more chance of, because they're probably going to try and run the ball or certainly try and go for, for a slant play or something that isn't going to be as, uh, uh, you know, as, as tasking as a, as a third and 13. But for me, it's secondary 100%. I think the secondary is my biggest worry about this team. And I think if we're going to go anywhere this year, which this sounds really harsh when you just lost your first game um, in six and you, and overall on offensively, we've, we've, we've looked not far off elite to be honest, but that secondary needs something. And I know Adoree Jackson is back soon, which will be a huge, hopefully a huge boost to us, but I, I'm not sure Adoree is going to be the entire answer. I think there's something, I think it's, a little bit more on the scheming side of things. I don't think we've we have well we haven't replaced DMPs, and I don't think that we're, we're not going to be replacing him. I can't see that Vrabel making that decision. So I think all you can do now is get someone in who can come in and do a job um, that isn't putting a lot of pressure on players like Chris Jackson or or even Christian Fulton who are in the first year. Because um, at the moment it feels like we're just a bit light in that secondary, and I, th- I think Fulton's actually out injured now as well. So it, I don't think it's going to get easier before it before it gets more difficult. Does, does is it just the secondary though? Um, are we are we getting enough pressure up front? I mean, it sounds. Problem, you say that though. The, the the problem is is that 
Big Ben was just was throwing the ball so quickly that he wasn't even gonna yeah you know, he wasn't even holding on to it long enough to put pressure on if you know what I mean yeah you, you yeah. kind of you kind of the, the the gaps and the coverage was just so open at times that it was taking him a second and a half to get the ball away now whether it, I'm listen I'm, I'm I've been highly critical of of Clowney and Beasley I think not getting close enough at times or not, just not you know not sacking quarterbacks as much as they should be but the times where he was holding on to the ball a bit longer you could see that you know, Landry, I think, got to him possibly once, I think, if my memory serves me right. But you could see the pressure is there. It was just, uh, I don't rate Beasley, um, be brutally honest. I think the guy's not been a great deal. Clowney, I think, for the money that we're paying him. And I still don't think he's he's ready. I think he didn't have that off-season that he, he needed. He still doesn't, he still kind of looks like he's trying to catch up a little bit. Um, which is not I think really he, what he, he seems to be. He seems to be puffing a bit. Well, it's, I don't know if he's. Yeah, I think it's probably exactly that. He hasn't had the the preparation you'd expect. Nah. And he's yeah. I, I don't. I don't see much of an issue with Clowney. It was a one year deal. We sort of. We were all excited by it, and we. I still am excited by it. Um, I think he'll. We'll see more from him as the season progresses. I think Be- Beasley, on the other hand. Off. It's just a bit off the pace at the moment. I think with Beasley, I think he actually did stop someone behind the line on Sunday, but 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 you kind of you wouldn't even notice he's there half the time. Um, Landry and Clowney are the key. If you yeah. if we can get Clowney really firing, then this defence can be a, a hell of a lot more of a handful than they've been. But I, I do think secondary is the biggest issue at the moment. I mean, we've talked about Bayard, and he's nowhere near the level he has been. Now I, I'm not sure if that's because of the new scheme. I'm not sure if it's because he's kind of half covering for inexperienced corners that have come in. Um, I'm, I, I don't know, but he's definitely, he's definitely not at the level that he has been for the last three or four years. So it'd be really interesting to see how they approach the Bengals. Cause I mean, let's face it, Burrow does like throwing the ball around. He likes to, well, to but, kind of well, for shots, but it'd be interesting to see how we react to it. Joe Burrow will hold the ball a lot longer than big Ben did. That's for sure. Which ho- hopefully will help. Is is there? I mean, slightly aside from this, Miles. I mean, you you mentioned this earlier in WhatsApp, but you know, with the trade deadline fast approaching, um, is there a possibility of the Titans doing something to plug any gaps in the secondary? I feel like there's there's the opportunity there to, like we were saying, it sounds like we're on such a big negative coming off a loss, but realistically, when it's five and one. And you're thinking, what are the missing pieces of this defence? Because offensively, I don't think there are missing pieces. I think if we were playing any other team that didn't have such an elite defence as the Steelers, who, in my opinion, are one of maybe only two teams that can actually say this year they have an elite defence. And any other team, we were scoring much more points on them and then we're not noticing the defence as much. I think we are crying out for someone in the secondary. I mean, I'd mentioned that I thought Gilmore would be a good shout with the Patriots. We just need someone who we can confidently say is going to shut down Hassan. And even even if it's not a full shutdown corner, even though we know he's got the ability to do it, it's a bit of experience. I feel like Bayard's almost been making up for, like you said, with Waladore's been out and knowing that Fulton's there. I feel like Bayard's been that person who's sort of like been trying to help cover him. And we haven't been able to sort of notice the same Bayard that we had in the previous year. So... Personally, I feel like if if the team wants to really push this year, and let's be realistic, looking at the age of the team, there's a couple of young players like Brown and Simmons who are really starting to show what they can do. But the team's not a really young team, and it's almost like 
a lot of players are in their prime. If you really, really want to push for a Super Bowl or the next step from what we've done last year, then you've got to go out and make a trade. You've got to show something because if you're not going to change a defensive coordinator halfway through the season, like a lot of us are crying out for, then you need that impact play who's going to come on to that defense and do what Kalani should have done and should have come on and straight away just gone, right, I'm here, let's be elite. In all, in all seriousness, I think we need that same sort of level at cornerback. And it makes me feel like even though Logan Ryan wanted a lot of money, you can see the difference has been made by having that experience on the um, defense, someone who would probably have got the guys together. And I dare say if we had someone like that in the secondary against Big Ben, we might have stood a much better chance. But personally, I feel like we do need to make some sort of signing in the secondary just to show that we're not a team that's just going to roll over now. We're going to push on and take advantage of what we uh, the position we're in. What the Titans do now with this whole trade deadline coming will, for me, define where they see this team in terms of do they actually, do this team see us as a genuine Super Bowl threat um, or are they trying to play a longer game? The fact they signed Clowney for a year to me is, again, it's like a, it's a win-now mentality and it'll be interesting to see at this trade deadline whether they go for that kind of win-now mentality by bringing someone in. I don't know who. I mean, there's a lot of talk about Gilmore being being moved on from the Pats. I don't know if that is a realistic one. Um, there's definitely going to be players, I'm sure, who will will be available. But if they don't go out and address the secondary now, it says to me that they're trying to build something longer term rather than this year. Because then they know. They it doesn't must mean know. you can't do both. Doesn't I mean, Clowney's Clowney's deal might be just a year, but if that if that really works, you know, there's no no reason why it can't this can't no, be extended. No, no, yeah, I mean, true, but you can't honestly sit there and say this defense and this isn't just looking at last this Sunday just gone. You can also talk about this in quite a few other games. I mean, they were giving up a lot of points against the likes of Jacksonville, against even Minnesota with Cousins, who likes to throw more picks, who likes to. Actors of Phil Rivers nowadays, but uh, you know you've got you've got those. You know, there's been games already that we've given up quite a lot of points. The defense is the only thing that, for me, is the only weakness this team has. Offensively, I think when we get rolling, no one can stop us. Yeah. Um, and I think even Pittsburgh saw that in the second half. I mean, I think they probably stepped off a little bit. Tried didn't whether they probably were a little bit more conservative, but well, we well, a fair few points with them in that second half. It's worth noting that I mean we're yeah we've come on to the second half things looked look much better on both sides of the ball now you mentioned you both mentioned the coordinator or the lack of coordinator um we missed those DNP's halftime adjustments but some things were certainly adjusted at halftime in the Titans' favour on defence as well I mean the Tennessee had the ball at the start of the third quarter ended up punting it away and here come Pittsburgh back down again. You think, I, I barely want to watch any more of this game. Restrict them to a field goal at that point, and it's 27-7. They were the last points that Pittsburgh scored in the game. So something changed. I think a lot of it, a lot of it was possibly a bit of a Fergie hairdryer type thing from Vrabel in the locker room. I don't know, but they feel, I felt like a step up of attitude um, on defence. Um, but, yeah, but both sides of the ball in the second half, yeah, we... We then outplayed them, um, and I mean, yeah, we we know how the game ended, um, which we'll, which we'll also come on to. But um, we shouldn't have been, we shouldn't have had a prayer, shouldn't have had a shot at a comeback, let alone a kick to take it into overtime. 
So, yeah, from 27-7, five minutes or so into the third quarter, what happened from then was phenomenal. I mean, I, f- I felt so much better after the game from the reaction in the second half that we had from a, a game that it felt like everything was going wrong that possibly could, even the yeah, nonsense on special teams, all this sort of stuff. And you, it would be so easy just to for our heads to drop and for nothing to happen in the second half. And one, one of those, you know, the Pittsburgh to stick their backups in and stuff like that. It had those hallmarks, but it wasn't. You know, this this team, you know, even though it was a loss, it was a fighting loss. It was a yep. we're not going down easily loss. So no, that was whatever. that was that was one hundred percent the most important part of of Sunday, and actually something that you had to see in that second half. I think if we saw anything other than that in the second half, we'd all I'd, I'd probably be criticising this team a hell of a lot more. So, but I mean, we're talking about the defence, and we we're saying you know defence hasn't played well. They haven't played well, but they still turned the ball for over three times. They still forced two fumbles. Um, on another day, the ball bounces another way, and, and we recover one of them at least. So as much as you can sit there and you can criticise them, that second half performance, I mean, I think one of the interceptions was, a, I think, right at the end of the first half, I think it was, when I think Ruffelsberger was time was running out and they just went and just threw it into the end zone. But, you know, at the end of the day, they, they we are we are turning the ball over, which is great to see. And the Bills game, we turned them over a couple of times at least. So it's we are turning the ball over. It's just... It's third downs. We go back to it again, and even yeah. in the, even in the second half, there was a few occasions where, on you know, third and long, they 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 did get through and just took a bit more time off the clock. We were chasing Pittsburgh for me. were just I think their um their second half was just way too conservative. They kind of instead of just doing what they did in the first half, and I don't know if this is because we didn't allow them to or if they were just trying to drain the clock. But for me, that they they kind of switched to um, let's just try and keep this lead. Uh, let's not try and accelerate further, any further forward. I mean, I generally at halftime thought we were going to put they were going to put 50 points on us. <laughs> I genuinely sat there at the time thinking we could easily go and get thumped in this game. Didn't feel like they. And I again, I don't know if that's because of we didn't let them or if that was. I don't know. Of... The, well, the one massive play that I, I didn't think at the time would really impact the game, but it, I think it did. It it maybe scare Pittsburgh I don't know but the the AJ Brown touchdown from the simple slants yeah what a good looking play by the way um but yeah attack the middle of the field which was always our game plan or should have been our game plan we get you know what should just be a first down and hardly anything more and then AJ Brown's just gone you know once he once that boy gets going it's it's that's the same with Henry you can't you just can't catch him and that at the time I sort of not barely celebrated it. Obviously, it was an Im- impressive touchdown on many levels, but it didn't feel like it was going to change the game. But I think it did. It just Pittsburgh, yeah, as, as you say, Greg, that maybe they went into their shell and they thought, well, okay, yeah, Tennessee can hurt us on offense. So we, yeah, tried to, well, not necessarily do what they did in the first half, but yeah, bleed the clock, give us the ball yeah. as little as possible. It didn't. It didn't work in the second half in the same way. No, and I think they had one drive, I think, that um, that lasted about seven and a half minutes uh, towards the end of the game, which ended up being an interception at the end. But, I th- yeah, I do think that they went from, instead of trying to score points, to just bleeding the clock, give us next to no, make us go for those big plays, um, hoping that we'd be in desperation mode. And, yeah, it didn't, it didn't really, well, it was so close to, to not working out for them in the end. But, yeah, it's another one. It's just... It, 
we can say luck. We can say, you know, first half there was no there was no luck involved. We were just atrocious, to be honest. Um, a bar one drive, but the second half, yeah, I mean, we bring that into this coming Sunday. We shouldn't have any issues at all. The the final drive, so two two minutes, three points down, I and mean, we we saw it a week ago against the Texans, um, seven points down on that occasion. So you know what you've got to do to take the game to overtime. Um, it can't be underestimated how difficult that is to do. Well, it's one thing getting into field goal range, but quite another to put the ball in the end zone when you're starting way back in your own territory. You've got time pressure, clock management, um, the defence are giving you what it wants to. Everything, So many things are against you. Um, to expect Tannehill to do it again is, ask, is asking so much. I mean, you could you could see it. The momentum was with Tennessee. There was a possibility it was it was going to happen, but against that Steelers pass rush, against everything that they offered, um, it was a tall order. I I felt, um, but he started to move the ball. Gave <laughs> gave us hope. Um, the play that we should probably talk about though is the the intentional grounding. Um, Miles, I mean, let's go I'll go back to you. Should could could or should Tannehill have done anything differently there? You don't take a sack in that situation. It's 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 one of them where you've got to think about where you are on the field, and it would have been screaming in Tannehill's head that the one thing you don't do in that situation is take a sack. So that he's instinctively just tried to get the ball away, hope there's been someone there. But I I feel like. If he had took the sack, we almost would have moaned about it just as much saying, oh, it's too much of a... That was a terrible sack to give away. Obviously, we know what went on to happen. But I feel like the yards... We lost a down, and it's... I don't know. To me, to me, it's, it's one of those... I, when it happened, I wasn't like, what on earth is he doing? That's crazy. To me, it was like, he was going to get hit. Less chance of him losing the ball. At least we've still got the ball. Yeah, we've lost a down, but I had no complaints with the play itself. Um... And as you were saying with regards to Tannehill moving the ball down the field, I think second half you saw, I feel like, I don't know if I want to put it down to pressure, but the Titans-Steelers game was put down as like the big game, everyone's undefeated. And I feel like second half Titans almost went back to the drawing board and just went, you know what, we know we can play football. Our offense has been great all year. Let's just strip it back. Let's just get back to where we were, which is what you saw with the Brown touchdown. Like I said, it's just a quick slant. Quick slant play, it's nothing sort of Nothing crazy about it. We haven't got Bayard and Kern throwing bowls or whatever. It's a simple slant play that really sucker punched the Steelers' defense, and they went right. Okay, the pressure's off a little bit here now. And I felt like when we were doing that, when we were moving the ball with Tannehill at the end of the game, to me, it didn't. There was no pressure at all. It was like he knew what he needed to do, and the whole offense at that one point knew what they needed to do, and they they've done what they've been doing all season. They've been moving the ball down the field with ease without feeling pressure and it's just it's a shame how, how it ended um but you see, um big ben's face at the end of the game that they knew that they they really escaped in the end as much as we all feel like it was a defeat and it was we've ended up losing that unbeaten run in the end the steelers got away with it because of yeah, the way I'd... that the, that game went and it, like you said but for but for a a different kick or uh, the odd play here and there, or like if we just made a couple of stops on third down, we're coming out of there with a victory. So to me, it's 
I think we saw the positives and the negatives definitely from the game. We, it was it was definitely a tale of two halves. Second half, like you said, uh, all everyone can say is they're proud of the Titans. I, a year ago, we would have seen yeah. what Josh Dobbs at quarterback, and Big Ben would have been nowhere near it for the second half, and we would have gone on to concede probably a fifty burger in that game. Instead, what they've done is they've gone. We know we're a good team. Let's just get back to what we were doing best. And arguably, they've done as proud. It's argue, it, there's arguments to say they've done as more proud than if they come out of there with a victory, just to show with the fight that they've got in them. And that'll only be good from. Obviously, it would be nice to be six and out. But like you were saying, is it almost nice to get this loss in the background? It, it kind of. I I I said it in jest, and I said it a couple of times, but there's a bit of truth in it. Like there'll be. I don't know. You don't. You don't want. I don't think Vrabel's the sort of guy that would ever tolerate any form of complacency. But the the defeat will make will kick a few people up the backside. It will make people angry. You know, there, there's. You know, I, I, yeah, as I say, Vrabel's Vrabel wouldn't allow that. Or, it, but it, it, instinctively, it's hard to control. You know, if you're undefeated, you sort you think you're invincible. You think you there's well, there's obviously a reason you're undefeated, but. Um, you can kind of ignore your weaknesses to a certain extent, but you lose a game, and and it's not a bad game to lose. The Steelers are phenomenal, and yeah, the the Titans are going to improve off the back of this. They're going to be angrier. It's it's not it's not a bad thing. Um, the yeah, my reaction, as as you say, was I, was I was proud of this team for how they how they did in the second half, and I mean we yeah we will need to talk about the kick, but that kick goes over to. To send that game to overtime, I, you know, unlike the Texans game where I think it was down to the coin toss, the way both offenses were playing, and um, this game I think was just going the Titans' way. Whoever won the toss in overtime, I really do. I think that just the Steelers were on the ropes. All of the all of the momentum was shifting in the the Titans' favour, and it was it was working at that point. You know, they get if the game was another five minutes long, I think the same thing. But yeah, Stephen Goskowski, um, we if that's an ele- elephant in the room, I, I don't know. Uh, it's not an isolated incident. Um, it's not isolated to him either over the last couple of years, as we know. Um, we probably need to have this conversation, don't we? Yeah, let's have it. Um, I, I honestly, I kind of feel for the guy. I think he, you know, it was an unfortunate one. It kind of just faded off to the to the right, um, but look, he's, he's he has made some 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 big kicks for us this year. Um, I think it's two or three game winning kicks in the end or whatever it was. Um, it, I'm on the fence. I think I'm a bit worried that when we get to a situation later in the year where we're going to need him to step up from 45, 50 yards. Are we going to have the confidence in him to go away and put it through? That worries me because it's there's there's going to be bigger there's going to be bigger games coming up and whether that is late in the in the regular season or in into the postseason, we're going to have to rely on him at some point or another. So it's weird being a Titans fan and talking about kickers apart from the last year, obviously when kind of suck up took a bit of a nosedive and then we ended up having five kickers last year, whatever it was, um, because before that we kicking position was never a worry whether it was you know Baronas or, or suck up or whoever you know you we've always had a pretty steady kicking game 
but it, it does it does worry me. I look, I just don't think there's anyone else better out there. So we, we're never going to cut the guy. Well, this 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 is it for me. So I mean, you look at the Seahawks Cardinals game on Sunday night, and the Cardinals got well ended Seattle's unbeaten record with a second attempt at a game winner in overtime. You know, imagine you know, they could have lost that game. Their kicker would have been a villain. You see it so so often, so in so many places in the NFL. Um, if if we're going to cut Stephen Goskowski, you've got to be certain that we're getting something better. Now, he's he's missed that kick, and he missed all those kicks in Denver. Um, but we won the game. You know, back to that thing about a win. You you don't necessarily deal with the, the problems in quite the same way. But he's won, I think, three. Has he had three game-winning field goals this season? Yeah, something like that. And he's he's nailed a couple of long ones too. Um, in important situations, so it's it's not as if I don't I don't think with him it's in his head like it has been with other kickers. It's just a perhaps age injury. You know, he had that you know, hip yeah. operation, I think. Yeah, uh, things are catching up with him. He's thirty six, I think, and so his technique might not be as sound as it once was, but he's hitting some of them true. You know, a, a golfer can develop a periodic slice it doesn't turn him into a bad golfer consistently it's it's one of those oh, things it, it, I mean, in my in my case it definitely does well <laughs> yeah mine too <laughs> um but i don't think this miss will mean that he's less likely to to nail it in the next game i think he's a he's big enough and ugly enough to deal with that no, mentally i just no i just I think that i 100 get that and I, and I don't disagree and this is why it's difficult because uh, like there, there's the irrational me on Sunday sitting there thinking, just get rid of the guy for Christ's sake. How many more is he going to miss? Blah, blah, blah. Forgetting all the good things he's done. Um, and then when you reflect, you do kind of realize there just isn't anyone else out there who's going to, who's going to be able to come in and, and, and plug that gap. So the only other option you've got is pretty much doing what we did last year and just, just don't even force field goals, just keep scoring touchdowns. Um, but you know, life isn't as easy as that, unfortunately. Yeah, so it's it's flawed. There are some, there are so many game situations where the percentages are just bonkers to play yeah. it like that. That that's why Goskowski's got to be your best hope because that was what fourth and fourth at and least third. ten at yeah. that point, um, and there was hardly a seconds left on the clock. The percentage, even even with a kicker, you're fifty fifty. That's your best percentage play at that point. So replacing. You know, Goskowski's a better than 50-50 chance of making that kick, even now, whatever you think. Um, so it, it's there's no question that that's the right call, that's the right thing to do. I'd rather, I think on balance, I'd rather have him taking that kick in the next game than somebody we don't know or someone else who's had a shaky history or someone who's maybe mentally not as tough. Um, Miles, you've been quiet on this. Where do you Where do you stand? Yeah, I mean, with me, obviously, it's one of them. It's it's a, it's such a horrible position because, like you said, you could replace him with someone next week, and the person we hire or take on next week could kick seven straight, or they could miss seven straight. It's one of them where, because of the position, it's not an automatic unless you're Justin Tucker, who, by the way, is still not technically automatic, mm-hmm. even as as elite as he is. You can't just pick someone up who's going to guarantee you a kick every single time, and it wasn't a chip shot. It was a it was a it was a difficult kick. I don't think he feels the pressure when he's kicking because he's been there and done that so many times that if we want to be a playoff team and you're asking me who would I'd rather have kick a field goal 
dare I say, in the Super Bowl or in the, you know, title game, as much as I will still be so nervous that I can barely watch, if you're asking me who I'd rather have right now, there's no one out there who I'm confident, who I think, yeah, he's got the experience, he's going to come out and he's going to do it for us. So to me, it's almost one of them where, yeah, it's disappointing that we we lost in that situation. But at the same time, I don't think it's one of them. It's one of them positions where, unless you're very, very lucky, most teams go through something with a kicker. Like you're seeing um, yeah. the Jags this year, I think, are on their sixth kicker or something. Well, Josh Lambos um, could just come back for them, I think. Yeah, oh, it, it, the, it's the, just... Yeah, you can't go back. You can't... We don't have the option of having a 2007 Rob Baronis where you, you're kind of... Yeah, 95% he's getting that kick. That mm. isn't available. So we, you just have to accept that there's a margin of error. There's a, you know, There might have been a 30% chance that kick gets missed, whatever it is. Um, and there's nothing else for it, I don't think. If, it is, if it's in the Super Bowl... You've just got to cross those fingers. Imagine that. Yeah, I, don't, I definitely will not be watching. I'd be, I'd be making sure my eyes are looking at anything other than a than a, a field goal in a Super Bowl that Gronkowski is stepping up to take. But yeah, it wasn't easy. I mean, forty-five yards is. I mean, it should be for most kickers. You're hitting it more in than out for sure. But um, it wasn't a chip shot by any stretch of the imagination. But Within 50, you kind of think for a, for a guy with his experience and and, and um, he's an all pro um, kicker and you, you would you would imagine he you know he you got to be just knocking that one through, but um, it was yeah it was it was it was to be honest to you um, it felt like a bit of a fitting end when you kind of look at it as like a you you couldn't get more a roller coaster yeah. than that could you the first half being as as drab and as low as it was then coming up on that massive high all the way through thinking actually we're going to win this we're actually going to win this uh we're actually going to get back and then even even when you know the the stall drives and that yeah as you know the final drive stalls you're thinking ah, he'll knock this through we've got overtime we had overtime last week this is easy in the bag and then all of a sudden <laughs> Uh, it yeah, just, you but... just come down that last little last little bit of the roller coaster to to bring you back to life. But yeah, it's uh, one of the, one of those things. The game tying or game winning drive isn't easy, and nor is a kick. None of these things are easy. I think five and one's probably fair a fair reflection of, of well, it might even be flattering. We've ridden our luck a bit at times, um, but I'm I'm happy at five and one. I'm happy to go to Cincinnati. So let's let's look ahead quickly. Well, we we do. I've done it properly with Paul, which you'll hear shortly. But um, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty confident about this one. I think we match up well against the Bengals. Um, Mixon looks like he might be out. Um, their left tackle Jonah Williams might be out. They're sort of both of them are day to day. Um, they've got other injuries on both sides of the ball. They're dealing with all sorts. Joe Burrow is a first year quarterback. He's looked good. Um, the Bengals have. The Bengals have been exciting. They've been in games. They've lost a lot of tight ones um, in a a similar way that we've won a few tight ones. But um, I think our pass rush will cause him a lot more problems than Big Ben. Um, Their defense, I suspect, won't be able to handle us. Um, I think this will be high scoring. I think it will be a Titans win. Um, Dare to disagree? I mean, I don't. um, But shock. Um, personally, I, I think the offensive line in Cincinnati has sucked for many, many years, and their first-round picks have slowly stopped getting injured, and are trying to all fit together this year. And 
I feel like Simmons is going to have a big game and dare call it, this is going to be the Clowney break game where he just decides, you know what, I fancy yeah. four or five sacks and he's just, this is going to be the game for it because the line I might be able to handle... Too. Yeah, they might be able to handle Simmons and because their left tackle, who I believe is going to miss the game, has got to handle Laundry for the game. There's only so many people that you can double team on a line of five, even if you bring in an extra lineman. And I feel like Clowney's really going to Fingers crossed. I mean, I've put him in my fantasy team this week just because I'm so optimistic about it. So I've got him and Simmons, uh, who I'm expecting to have big games. But offensively, AJ Green just looks like he doesn't want to play for the Bengals. He makes the odd play for him, who a few years ago we would have been really concerned about someone like AJ Green going up against our cornerbacks. But realistically, he's not shown any way, anything this year that worries me. It's more Tyler Boyd's looking like a good receiver for them. And it's the same with... Um, I forgot the other person already, but yeah, Mission Mixon's going to be yeah, but Mission Mixon's going to be huge for him. Joe Bernard is a good third down back. He's he's like a a better Dion Lewis, which I know is not difficult because I'm a better Dion Lewis, but he's that sort of player. <laughs> That's harsh. He's he's that sort of player, and I I think the real key is going to be that our our front three, or dare say front seven, just need to contain Burrow, keep him in the pocket. He is good. He's he's good like Murray. He's good at. If he sees a pocket, he's got decent athleticism. He will go for it and make runs for it. I think the key is to really control him. If we can keep him tight in the pocket, I feel we'll get enough pressure where he's not going to have time to get the ball downfield. And defensively for them, yeah, they've got, what, Geno Atkins is decent and so is Dunlap. Other than that, I don't see anything on their uh, defense that truly scares me. And the only thing I want to say is, yeah, they're with us with um, bad kicker duty. with One of the better names in the league, Randy Bullock, continues to... Uh, Miss kicks for them, so hopefully he continues that run. If you're Mr. and Mrs. Bullock and you have a baby boy, how how do you come up with no? How, how do you look at <laughs> how do you look at a newborn and go, Randy? <laughs> <laughs> um, Greg, any anything further to add? Do you see anything different? Yeah, I, I don't. Th- I, listen, I think if we just need to come in and play angry, I think when the Titans are at their best when they play angry. Uh, just look at when we played the Bills. We had all the media adversity of COVID and, and we came in, played angry and won that game comfortably. Um, I don't think it's going to be... A, I mean, look, it's rare that we see a, a, a Titans win that is comfortable. So I think Cleveland will, will get points on the board because I think just the way that they play and the way that Burrow is, is as a quarterback means they'll go for, for big plays. And our secondary... Um, we all know can give up big plays. So I think they'll, they'll score points. There's no doubt, but um, I can't see them stopping our offense from, from just rolling over them, to be honest. So I think we'll, um, we'll see a, we'll see a relatively high scoring game. I would love to see Clowney have a, a breakout game. Like you said, Miles, I think he is massively overdue. Um, uh, who knows? We might even see Beasley do something. Um, but I think there's, there's going to be, it's going to be. I think it's a tougher game than most people will think. I don't. I'm not. I don't think it's going to be a, you know, a breeze walk in the park that we'll we'll all sit there at halftime thinking, I don't even need to watch this. It's pretty much game over. Um, yeah, we hit, but, we haven't yeah. played that game since 1999, no. where, <laughs> where we relax. We can relax in the second half. No, stick but... uh, stick Logan Woodside in for a bit. You know, just. <laughs> Just have a little, have a little throw around, and no, it's it's going to be. I think it's going to be a more difficult game than most people do think, though. And I think, but we're we're well too strong to come out with anything other than six and one at the end of this, surely. 
hopefully. Right, let's hear from Paul to um well he he may see it differently from the from a Bengals perspective. Um here he is. Joining us now on the on the Transatlantic Titans podcast is Paul from the excellently named Cincinnati um podcast. Um Bengals underscore UK if I've got that right. Um welcome to our podcast, Paul. Uh thanks for having me, Adam. It's nice to be here. Excellent. Um obviously the Bengals are one five and one. Um mm-hmm. I love the tie. Um going into week eight, which is the season's going alarmingly quickly. Mm. Um but from what I've seen, I mean you you could correct me if I'm wrong, you've been in a lot of games. Um Joe Burrow's looking looking very promising. They've mm. been fun to watch. Um do you think you're unlucky to be one five and one or how do you see things? Uh yes and no. Um I mean we've had let me see one, two uh three, four games that we've lost by five points or less, uh, which is kind of ridiculous, really. And it happened a bit a bit last season. Um, yeah, I think our record should be... We, I don't think we are a 1-5-1 a, a one, and one team. Um, however, you know, the scoreboards don't lie. And, and the, the biggest worry for us at the moment is they just have no clue how to finish games. They really don't. I mean, we were up 21 nothing. Uh, against Indianapolis. Um, yeah, I was week, gutted about that one. The week before, yeah, yeah right. Uh, the week before last, that turned into a shootout. And we just couldn't seal the deal. Yes, uh, you know, on Sunday against the Browns, we we drove down the field yet again and, and, and held a lead with a minute to go and Cleveland didn't have any timeouts. But, you know, it's... Uh, you know, you've got to give the opposition credit, you know, for for doing what they did, uh, as much as it pains me to say. Um, yeah, it's a funny old team at the moment, Adam, I must say. it's There's lots of good things going on, but ultimately, uh, you know, the, the wins and losses column don't make for pretty reading, really. And it's it's kind of it's disappointing a lot of fans. It's kind of causing anger in a lot of fans because a lot of people believe we... We have the talent to compete once again, you know, get back to those playoffs, which we haven't done in, you know, three, four years now. It'll be after this year. Um, So it's difficult to put your finger on because one week the offence plays incredible and the defence plays awful. One week the defence is better and the offence is awful. We we just can't put it together uh, at the moment, which is frustrating and, and, and infuriating. I guess winning can become a habit, so can losing, unfortunately. Um, if you, you know, you've got guys who aren't necessarily used to getting over over the line. Um, Joe Burrow, obviously, first pick in the draft. Um, mm. are you, from what you've seen so far with him, um, do you, you feel confident he's going to be the guy going forward? I mean, he looks, he looks great from an outsider's perspective. Um, it's sort of a... I look at watch from what I've seen of the Bengals... Uh, sort of feel that he could be better protected mm. um, would that be a fair assessment I mean how how do you see him specifically well just to go back real quick to a point that you made you know um, you know it, it, you you said that if players aren't used to winning 
which is a fair point. But we signed a lot of players in the off-season. Uh, Joe Burrow, through the draft included, that were used to winning. That was the whole point yeah, yeah. of signing the likes of DJ Reader, who you know very well. In your division, he's a terrific player. Used to go into the playoffs with Houston. We signed Von Bell, used to going to the playoffs every year with the Saints. You know, Trey Waynes, used to going to the playoffs every year pretty much for with the Vikings. Um, uh, so it's interesting that it hasn't quite worked out in Cincinnati. All of those players, of course, are injured apart from Von Bell, uh, who's having a bit of a nightmare anyway. But anyway, yes, Borrow, I was... Um, there was a lot of talk uh, before the season, in the off-season, about him being some sort of saviour for the team. And not just the team, but the city as well. The lease uh, for the stadium comes up in about uh, 2026. And it, it's drafting Borough was seen as absolutely crucial for uh, the Bengals staying in Cincinnati. It was that much pressure being put on him. And I disagreed with that amount of pressure. Because we've seen in the past, you look at, say, someone like... Uh, Sam Darnold, it hasn't really worked out for the Jets, has it? You know, and he was a really high pick. And well, we, I mean, we we could talk about Marcus Mariota in that way. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, absolutely. I, I, I was so wary about putting that amount of expectation on this guy's shoulders, but I must say he's been absolutely brilliant and as advertised. Um, had there been some growing pains, absolutely. He holds on the ball. He holds on to the ball too long, which you know, makes the offensive line look bad. We've got a sketchy offensive line anyway, but if you've got a quarterback who holds on to the ball too long, who's always looking to extend the play, then um, that exacerbates any any uh, protection issues. Um, some of the blitz pickups and protection assignments have been blown. So again, that looks that makes the offensive line look bad. I'm not saying our offensive line isn't bad because it kind of is. Uh, Jonah Williams, a first round pick from uh, last year, looks uh, he, he missed his entire rookie season with a with a, uh, an injury. And he's back and he's looked really good, actually. Uh, he had a bit of a battle. I was, I was going to I was going to ask about him, actually. Am I right in saying he's got a knock or a, enough of a knock again that he might miss this game? Yeah, there's a chance. It's day to day. Apparently he injured his neck um, uh, against the Browns and he went out and from what the coaches said in the in the uh, press conferences, the Monday press conferences he said that, Zach said that it looked like a bad injury. You always got to worry with a neck injury but mm. it's not as bad as first thought. So hopefully he'll be back um but we'll see. But he's been doing pretty well. I mean, he got he got tested severely uh, against Miles yeah. Garrett. But I think any left tackle is going to get, or you know, severely tested against Miles Garrett this year. Um, Trey Hopkins is solid. Uh, we're a bit dodgy on the interior. Um, Bobby Hart is on the right tackle. Is one of those players that fans absolutely love to hate. He's been terrible, but he has improved this year in the past two weeks. Uh, they've at least given Borrow a bit of a pocket to work with and uh, uh, hoping that will continue uh, in Sunday. Because if you give him the, those that kind of extra two seconds, three seconds of time, it makes all the difference. And Borrow against Cleveland, against a good defence, I don't think any Bengals fans thought they were going to carve that defence up like they did. Um, was just sensational. The accuracy is just... And um, 
yeah he's learning still he is learning um again it's it's kind of ball retention and the length of time he holds onto the ball that's what he's got to work on but certainly when you give him time to pass he's i have to say he's top 10 i'm not gonna you know that's not me being a bengals homer but because i love watching russell wilson and i love watching breeze and brady's been great this year again and you know, I love watching good quarterback play, but it's not uh, an overestimation to say that Burrow's going to be right up there, I think, if they can, you know, do well by him in terms of protection. I mean, a, a, another injury concern for you for week eight is Joe Mixon, which yeah, I'm, I'm not sure the latest there, but that might day mean today. that... Day to day, apparently. Similar to Williams then. I mean, that might mean that yeah, it's more from Joe Burrow through the air. And with <laughs> the Titans secondary, that's how I think you can hurt us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be my my main fear, um, would be would be the aerial attack from the Bengals. Um on the on the other side of the ball, um mm. you know, if if the Titans are gonna go into Cincinnati and come out with a win, um it sounds like we're gonna have to score a lot of points. Mm. Um can the Bengals defence stop um, the likes of Tannehill, the likes of Derek Henry. Um, how do, how do you fear us in that respect? Short answer: No. Um, our, defense, <laughs> our defense cannot generate a pass rush at all. We tend to start off games quite well. We did this against Indianapolis and did this against the Browns. Uh, we got some penetration. Uh, we stopped the running game both against the Colts and uh, and against the Browns, and which is great. But, you know, you've got DJ Reader out. Geno Atkins is half of Geno Atkins at the moment because he's sort of they're easing him back in after a shoulder injury, um, which was suffered during training camp. That's a huge blow. Uh, we were so looking forward to seeing DJ Reader and Geno Atkins together. We thought that would be a real fearsome kind of front two. Carlos Dunlap, uh, Pro Bowl defensive end, who's been a... a a fixture for us for the past 10 years has gone rogue and is now he's going to be out the out the door pretty much if not by the trade deadline next week certainly at the end of the season he's been posting all kinds of inflammatory stuff about the coaches there's real uproar in Cincinnati he's gone he is gone so that's kind of a blow um but Atkins is being you know he played 12 snaps against the Browns on Sunday similarly against um the Colts as well. Reader's out for the season, which again, huge blow. Uh, Sam Hubbard, uh, who is a good rotational piece at uh, defensive end, is out. So really, we've just got Carl Lawson, and he's kind of above average at best. He's good, but he's not, you know, a world beater. However, um, what we seem to not be doing very well is, well, we we start the games very well, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. But then good or well, any offensive coordinator will then make adjustments and we just cannot adjust to those adjustments. You saw it against the Colts. Uh, we The lack of pass rush and pressure on Philip Rivers, once they'd sorted things out back there, made him look like 2004 Philip Rivers. You know, um, he looked like a young Philip Rivers back there. Um uh Baker Mayfield that, that takes some doing with a man with nine kids absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. um uh Baker Mayfield started the game off horribly on Sunday and we thought great you know this is the way to go 
he suddenly got into rhythm and he just just because he wasn't touched. And of course, if you're not getting any pass rush, that means any old quarterback can can find the time to slice and dice you. Any receiver, rookies, old men pulled off the street, whatever, will find time to get open. Um, we're hoping that William Jackson, our cornerback, and uh, CB1, is back this week. He was a big miss last uh, week against the Browns. He had he was in the concussion protocol. So we hope he's back. But yeah, it's concerning the way the defense completely capitulates. And you know, Tannehill is a is a is a I would say an above average quarterback. He's he's you know his story is really cool. The way he's come back and in Tennessee and went to the AFC Championship game last year. Um, but if we can't get any pressure on him, you know, it's it's going to be trouble again. It will be another shootout, I have to say. It will be. Uh, it will just be kind of you score, we score. And Derek Henry, well, I don't know. That, I think that's the Bengals' biggest fear. Um, we're better against the run this year, but with Reader out, with a few other injuries on that, we've had to sign... Xavier Williams, who was on the uh, New England practice squad, we had to trade for Christian Covington, a kind of a backup in Denver. Um, our defensive line is, you know, is pretty poor at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see what their game plan is to stop Henry and and put some pressure on Tannehill. Um, question, question I've asked everyone we've had on, really, or mm. it hasn't always been myself, but we've uh, we've asked everyone we've had on. Um, mm. Who are the names that? we won't know um or give us a, a secret weapon that maybe you haven't mentioned so far um, well if, that... uh, if if mixon's out again um geo bernard will come in as starter at running back and he and you know he's been around for a while but he was great against the browns he's still dynamic he's really good in pass protection he can catch the ball out of the backfield um so i've always, always been a fan of his so why why hasn't he I think, on, I, think, do you think? I think he's never been that sort of bell carrier guy. You know, he is extremely quick. He's he's a sort of Darren Sproles-esque sort of guy. Um, yeah, yeah. He's not quite heavyweight and beefy enough to, to kind of carry the ball 20, 20, 20 25 times a, a game. But what he can do, he's a really good blitz pickup guy, really good at pass blocking, uh, really intelligent football player and you know he you know the fans love him because he's just a great guy as well he's one of those real fan favorites and um, i would look out for on i would look out on offensive our rookie wide receiver t higgins uh, I, I should also say that aj green has come back into form in the last couple of games which is really encouraging for us tyler boyd is just hugely consistent in that slot he's really good and he's having another good season um, and T Higgins, the rookie though, is is looking good. So, in terms of three receivers, I think we're pretty strong in that yeah, position. Yeah. Uh, on defense, Jesse Bates, the free safety, uh, is well. PFF rated him the best safety in the league at, up to this, and he is playing terrific. Um, so you know, and we've got a, a rookie linebacker. Linebackers have always been underinvested in that. That room has always been kind of almost ignored, really, um, in the past. But the Bengals drafted three uh, last year, picked up uh, the veteran Josh Bynes from free agency, 
Um, but I would look out for Logan Wilson, a rookie linebacker. He seems to have a knack to know where um, where the ball is. He makes plays. He's got three interceptions this uh, this season already. So I'd say Bates and Wilson on the uh, defensive side of the ball and, and certainly T Higgins uh, on the yeah. offensive okay. side. Um, how about a prediction for Sunday then? Uh, it sounds like a high scoring one. Um, if you were going to yeah, guess, guess I mean, the scoreline. I, I think this is one of the, you know, you've obviously emerged in the past couple of seasons as a very good team. Uh, I think everyone is terrified of Derek Henry. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, the big wide receivers at AJ Clark, he looks a handful as well. Tannehill is good when you give him time. I mean, any any as I mentioned earlier, any quarterback is good if you give him time. And um, they've got to sort out that pass rush. I'm gonna, I mean, it's one of those games I think pretty much every Bengals fan had down as a loss at the start of the season. Uh, I did. It never he, works like that, though. No, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's what, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's one of those, I'm still expecting a loss after what I've seen. Um I agree. I think the Bengals could have some joy in the passing game. And, you know, that's that's our strength, frankly. Um, so, you know, I mean, there's a chance. It's sport. You know, you never know. So, but I do think uh, the, the Titans will be, you know, uh, too strong in key areas. We're going to have a patchwork offensive line uh, up next week if both our tackles are out. So that, you know, God knows what's that gonna, what that's going to mean with Clowney and Simmons coming at you. But um, I don't know. I'd say Titans 31, Bengals 28. It could be another uh, uh, good game. I hope. I hope it is. I hope we're competitive, if that doesn't sound too pessimistic. <laughs> well, you, you have been competitive in, in most games so far. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I, I could see a similar game to that, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll take that scoreline right now if you're offering mm-hmm. it to me. Um, so there you go, 31-28. Um, yeah. Sounds good to me. Um, well, thanks thanks so much for coming on. I think I've got your Twitter name wrong at the start. You're yes, two-day underscore yeah. UK, aren't you? Yeah, at two-day underscore UK on, on Twitter. So uh, come and say hello if anyone, any Titans fans wants to have a bit of a... A laugh and a joke for us during the game on Sunday. You're more than welcome. Yep, so that sounds good. And your podcast is Cincy Natter. Um, yes. We need a good name like that. Was that you? Was that you who came up with it? No, we, we. I was. You know, we were struggling to come up with a name. You know, it was kind of do something. Do something about tigers. Uh, something about big cats or whatever. And then <laughs> we put it out to our followers and said, look, you know. What do you think, guys? Uh, let's 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 put democracy in action. Let's let's see what you guys could come up with. And, and, and a, a guy um, from the southeast kind of came up with Cincinnati, and everybody thought, "Hold on a minute, that's really good." Uh, so we kept and, uh, <laughs> one of those rare occasions that democracy works. <laughs> yes, absolutely. One of our uh, so we've kept it ever since, and you know we're 105 episodes in, and as you know, doing the podcast is. You know, really good fun and helps to bring the community together and gives people an opportunity and a platform to air their views and feel part of it. And uh, yeah, it's all good fun. Absolutely. Um, yeah, couldn't agree more. That's why we do it. Right. Yeah. All the, all the best for after Sunday and for your season. <laughs> um, we've, only got, we've only got the Steelers after you guys. Uh, I think we've got a bye week after you guys. I think we might need it. 
Because the Titans look like a very physical football team, and uh, watching some of the highlights against the Steelers, blimey, that that was kind of yeah. hell leather pretty much from the start to the finish, wasn't it? Nobody's happy about it, but the Steelers look hard to yeah. hard to beat than um, they are. No one, no one is is happy about that more so than us, really, because the Steelers are generally hated uh, by Bengals fans. Um, but yeah, they look a good team. I think you'll be fine though this year. You'll get into the playoffs. So, and then, as you know, as soon as you qualify the playoffs, it's it's anybody's game really. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, fingers crossed. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Um, yeah. yeah so thanks again. Thanks again for coming on. Um, we'll we'll catch up soon. Yeah. Cool, Adam. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All the best. Cheers. It turns out that Paul doesn't see it that differently. Um, he, he sees a Titans win, although a close one, 31-28. Um, I, it's a, that's a believable scoreline in actual fact. Um, I, I think that the Titans should and will make it more comfortable. But yeah, we've seen this movie before. That's not, <laughs> not how it goes. Um, yeah, I'll take 31-28. I'll take, I'll take any win, obviously. Um, so yeah, looking it's forward. Not a field goal to win it, and then oh. I'll, 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 I can have one of those. Thirty-one uh, twenty-eight could be, couldn't it? Could be, yeah. Okay, right now to the meaty part of the podcast, um, non-Titans related. Um, Greg, uh, you you weren't here last week. You you had a you were a bit under the weather, weren't you? I was. Uh, yeah, I'm guessing I was. it didn't turn out to be COVID. It wasn't COVID, no. Luckily, it wasn't. But uh, yeah, I was a bit under the weather last week, so so missed out on celebrating a victory and came back for the negativity of a loss in classic Greg style. So um, <laughs> yeah, my non-times related. So I, I, this is I, I don't know why this is all of a sudden out a thing, but um, it, why is it seemingly uh, it's food related, which let's face it, 90% of non-times related seems to be nowadays. Um, but why should is we it... just name the, should we just say it's <laughs> food, food the culinary segment of the podcast? Um, I, I'm kind of wondering why all of a sudden putting orange in everything seems to be the new fad. Cause I mean, Terry's done it for years and now all of a sudden you've got Capri's chucking it into fingers and twirls. And now I saw that, Shreddies are doing an orange one. Shreddies? Uh, oh, apparently so. I even got a photo sent to me of it. I was like, this just seems like a new fad that's gone mad. They'll be making orange rice the... eater next. I was gonna oh. say, it's the new pulled pork, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's not like it is new. That's the thing. It's kind of like, as I say, Terry's have been doing this for donkey's years. It's practically their USP, and then all of a sudden, is like Cadbury's and Kellogg's and whoever else coming in doing orange flavored, whatever. It's just like, how far can it go? I, I'm going to shock you. I like a Terry's chocolate orange. Mate, Ideally, if there's a bit of superficial damage to the box. Yeah, just because it's. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm also big fan, but it just seems like it's come from nowhere and as if like no one's ever had it before. And it's like this new groundbreaking. I stick orange in this. That's, that's, everyone will go bananas over it, and, and people are, which is just weird. Don't understand it. The orange twirl. That's the the big one at the moment. So I've led to believe I haven't tried one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Miles, what's your food-related uh, contribution to Culinary Corner? 
Well, I'd love to say that mine was food related, but I'm at the end of it, I'll, I'll add a, a Terry's top tip that'll involve food. Um, but what I will say is, and I'm, for any of our American listeners, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate, but it's that wonderful spooky time of year, which I think every single year sucks. I think Halloween is the most overrated thing in the world. Um, when did I Halloween just... become, maybe, sorry, I might be jumping into exactly what you're going to say. When did Halloween become a month like Christmas? <laughs> People are always like, oh, I love Halloween, I can't wait. And it's just they're like, what can't you wait for? It's just like, especially if you're an adult. I mean, I understand if you're a kid and you feel like I'm going to go out trick-or-treating, even though you're not allowed, because it's tier three where I am. So if you're outside, you're going to get arrested. But, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't laugh at that. <laughs> well, they deserve it to a point. I mean, kudos if you're going to go out dressed as a ghost just to get some candy on the risk of getting arrested. But I mean... To me, it's just such an overrated time of year. And I get some people enjoy it because when Halloween's here, it means Christmas is around the corner. But then that means realistically that you're going to spend all your money and you're going to be skint for the next couple of months. And to me, Halloween's just been one of them where it's like, I've never really enjoyed it. Yeah, as a young teen, I might have enjoyed it in a way that you're not meant to enjoy Halloween and be reckless rather than enjoying candy. But to me, it's just that time of year where it's just like, to me, it just sucks. It's a really crappy holiday. And I know the Americans love it. Who, who but, wants to go, especially at this moment in time where we are in the world, who wants to go and knock on people's doors? I mean, who wants to go and trick-or-treat now at the moment anyway? Surely that's yeah, just like a health hazard. I mean, yeah, we're civilised folk here in Tier 1, but I don't. I think we're, we're going to be wary yeah, about doing that. And we're way, way better behaved than the uh, Tier 3s, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we, you got yourself we, a good mess. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to get rifled down if you're trick-or-treating where I am. <laughs> I'm sure the police can't wait for it, but it's oh, just—it's just, it's it's just a one COVID of nightmare. Trick or treating, I it's think it is. I've got yeah. to say, uh, my my non-science related was going to be something not necessarily about Halloween, but it's actually something around um, around fireworks and mm. uh, and firework night. And I'm more than happy for people on firework night to go out and and enjoy some fireworks and all the rest of it. But Yesterday, the 26th of October, was the first lot of fireworks that went off around my place. What's the point? Yep. What's the point? That, it, like, it was, it was, it was one that was going to add on to it. Yeah, my just... neighbour done it, and I was just like, it's, it's a, I think it was on a Thursday. It was a Thursday at like 6pm, and I'm like, what are you possibly celebrating? Yeah. It's just, it's like the first lot have already gone off, and I'm sitting there thinking, it's not even gone Halloween yet. Like, normally people wait until Halloween's done, and then they start throwing fireworks here, there, and everywhere. Is it Diwali coming up? That's always that lasts a while, doesn't it? There's a lot of fireworks involved. Oh, are you going to try and make me feel bad yeah. now? Because it's basically someone celebrating Diwali, and there I am whinging about it. Oh, I don't know. I'm <laughs> trying it's, to it's show me up. Time. I assumed it was a Rangers fan celebrating. It was just when the goal went in for Rangers from Kimar Roof. So I just thought they had a firework there ready for a European victory. But no, anyway, so yeah, Halloween is just. <laughs> It's one of them I can happily do without. And I guess to, to bring it round to food, as a Tari's top tip, buy lots and lots of sweets under the assumption that people are going to be knocking around your house. But because it's tier three and they're not allowed, it means you've got more snacks on a Sunday for the Titans. Yeah, that is a good tip. And there are plenty of plenty available in the shops um, for yes. that very reason. Um, all right, I'll, I'll finish off and I'll be quick as I know uh, both of you have got lower league football to, to go and watch. Yeah, I, that, my son has been uh, has to self isolate for two weeks because someone in his his class at school's tested positive for COVID. Um, 
yeah, it'll be his second bit of self-isolation, um, neither time having it. But you know, this is this is what we've got to put up with. But it doesn't, this time I, myself, my wife and my daughter, we can go out. I took my daughter out yesterday. Um, we'll, uh, she's five. Um, we'll go for, take her for a little bike ride. She's not that confident or doesn't go that quickly. There's an old railway line between Hartford and Welling Garden City. Nice wide path, flat. She can ride along there. I'll go and run alongside her. Um, so I put running gear on, thinking that yeah, this is this is going to be a good activity. Um, it's just one of those classic tales of the activity in your head and the reality of it being so different. Um, the reality is quite a muddy path in places, having to stop every thirty seconds, wheel her bike through the mud while she tiptoes around it. Um, someone came past the other day just like looking at the way I was dressed, having not broken sweat from not having actually run anywhere. <laughs> um, I just laughed and said, yeah, um, you imagine this to be so very different in your head, didn't you? Said, yeah. <laughs> uh, this glorious image of her cycling through a meadow kind of thing and just jogging alongside and um, taking in the sunshine. Um, it was good, I, I, I guess, of course, but yeah, just just kind of kind of funny. Um, the yeah, just the mud. You know, it's autumn. This is this is where we're at. But but hey ho. Um, yeah, I think that'll just about do us for another week of the Transatlantic Titans podcast. Um, we're on Twitter. Find us there if you haven't already at Transatlantic TN. Um, join with. There's a Facebook group which. I don't know what the kids do anymore. Um, I'm not sure if Facebook's getting less popular, but yeah, come and come join us there if you if you haven't already. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, hopefully we will speak to you next, and we'll be six and one. Um, fingers crossed. But yeah, enjoy the rest of your weeks uh, wherever you are, and obviously tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.